Hello and welcome to the Black Eye Podcast. I am your host, Michelle. How are you doing today? I hope things are going well for you in this crazy world. I really, really do. Um, today, I am doing something of a follow-up to um, what I mentioned uh, in yesterday's podcast about religious exemption. And it seems that more and more people are applying for it religious exemption regarding vaccines in the workplace. And um, I came across this article, which I thought might be helpful to anyone who may be listening. And it's about uh, this uh, religious exemption and how likely you might be to actually attain religious exemption under the circumstances, um, uh, given that you're your employer uh, no longer offers the options of a weekly testing. So I wanted to dive into this and also there will be a link in the description because I'm going to later discuss, um, well, I'm going to discuss a a pretty important point um, that they were making and uh, also I talked about a survey that people had, uh, that employees had to, to fill out in order to be considered for um, religious exemption, and uh, I want to, I'm going to link that in the description. But I, will, I am going to discuss it, and it is going to be here um, for you. But without further ado, I want you to listen to this uh, particular uh, podcast. It is from WJCT Public Media, and as I said, there's a link in the description. Uh, so you will be able to read and see all of this for yourself. So without further ado, here is the tape or the, the conversation, the interview. More employers are requiring workers to get a COVID-19 vaccine without the option of getting tested instead. And some workers are pushing back. Here in Washington, D.C., more than 400 fire and emergency medical workers applied for religious exemptions to the city's vaccine mandate. In Los Angeles, roughly a quarter of the police department is expected to seek religious exemptions. To discuss this latest complication in getting more people vaccinated, we're joined by NPR Business Desk reporters Shannon Bond and Andrea Shu. Good to have you both here. Hi, Ari. Shannon, to start with, um, what have leaders of major religious groups been saying about getting vaccinated? Well, so far, no major religion opposes the COVID vaccines. In fact, prominent religious leaders are endorsing them. Here's Pope Francis telling Catholics that getting vaccinated is an act of love. He says love for oneself, for families and friends, and for all people. Even the Christian Science Church, which counsels prayer rather than medical care, says it doesn't have an official policy on vaccinations. It leaves it up to individuals to make that decision. And all right, that's exactly why this is so complicated when it comes to religious exemptions from vaccine mandates you know, for employers, for schools, because it's not about what religious institutions or leaders say. It's about personal beliefs. And so what kinds of objections are people raising on the individual level? Well, so I cover tech. I've been following a lot of these discussions on social media. And in particular, I've been looking at Facebook groups that are opposed to vaccine mandates. And a common question I'm seeing pop up in these groups is members asking each other, where can I get a religious exemption? What should I say? 
you know, trading tips on what to tell their employers. And one line of reasoning that people in these groups often cite is the false claim that these COVID vaccines contain fetal cells. And people who oppose abortion have raised that as a moral concern. Now, to be clear, public health officials say fetal cell lines developed decades ago in the laboratory were used to develop and test the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and that's a common practice in pharmaceutical research. Other fetal cell lines are being used in the production of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, but these vaccines themselves, they do not contain any fetal cells. Okay, so Shannon, you've been following the conversations among objectors on social media, and Andrea Shu, you've been talking with some of the employers who are seeing these requests come in. What are they saying? Yeah, Ari. Well, I talked today with Matt Troop. He's the CEO of Conway Regional Medical Center. That's a hospital in central Arkansas. He's gotten 45 requests for religious exemptions, way more than he normally gets for the flu vaccine. And they're all based on the fetal cell issue that Shannon just talked about. You know, Troop told me that he took this as an opportunity to educate his workforce. He had his team compile a list of 28 common medicines that also use fetal cells in testing or research or development. And this list, which I have right here, it includes things like Tylenol, ibuprofen, Claritin, even Tums. He sent this list out to everyone who applied for a religious exemption, and here's what he said about why he did that. They need to know that, that if they're going to be consistent in their beliefs, that applies to a lot of different things other than the COVID vaccines. Now, I should say that list didn't change anyone's mind. They still wanted the religious exemption, and Troop granted exemptions to everyone who asked for one. He points out it's only about 5% of his workforce so the vast majority of his employees are vaccinated, and those that aren't will have to go undergo regular testing. So that, ex that hospital is an example of one that did grant religious exemptions. How common is that among employers? Well, it's really hard to say, but remember, every employer does have an obligation to keep their workers safe. And the law puts employers in a pretty strong position when it comes to religious exemptions. Under the law, employers have to provide a reasonable accommodation for workers who have these sincerely held religious beliefs, unless the accommodation poses an undue hardship. So what's an undue hardship, right? Well, I talked to Roman Hernandez about it. He's an employment lawyer in Oregon. An undue hardship is one in which the employer must bear more than a de minimis cost in accommodating an employee's religious beliefs. And Ari, you can guess what de minimis means, small or minimal. So it's a pretty low bar, something as little as having to move people around to different shifts, that could count as an undue hardship. So that employer could use that to deny an employee an accommodation. And have you found employers who are saying it's too hard for them to make these kinds of accommodations? Well, yeah. Last week we saw the NBA deny a religious exemption request from Golden State Warriors forward Andrew Wiggins. San Francisco, of course, has a vaccine mandate for large indoor events, and the NBA said Wiggins will not be able to play at any home games until he's vaccinated. And Ari, there's also United Airlines. They announced back in early August that all their U.S. employees would have to be vaccinated. A few weeks ago, they informed staff who had applied for religious exemptions that even if granted those exemptions, they would be put on unpaid leave. Hmm. So by the legal standard of reasonable accommodations, does that qualify? Well, that is the question. Is it reasonable? You don't lose your job, but you lose your income for an indefinite amount of time. Roman Hernandez, that lawyer I spoke with, he says unpaid leave has historically been upheld in court as a reasonable accommodation. It's probably not the accommodation that those workers 
wanted, that that is something that the employer is providing. Now, a handful of United employees have sued, saying their rights were violated, that unpaid leave is not a reasonable accommodation. These employees, who include a pilot and a flight attendant, they were granted religious exemptions. They weren't fired, but they say they're basically being cut off from their jobs. United told me they think the case is without merit, and by the way, they report that 97% of their workforce is now vaccinated. So that's Andrea with the workers' view to come back to you, Shannon, uh, rather with the uh, company's view to come back to you and the workers. Shannon, what should employees thinking of applying for religious exemptions keep in mind? Well, you know, it's been interesting looking at these Facebook groups, Ari, right? People are sharing links um, to, to get paperwork for proving that they have an exemption, they need an exemption. So there are some pastors and online churches that are offering people letters to give to their employers. Sometimes that's in exchange for a donation. You know, there's sort of other, there's opportunists in here. There are links to people who claim to be consultants who say they can help folks get exemptions. There's this one group that offers different packages. So you can pay $175 to buy phone consulting, sample forms, even a signed letter from a pastor. But as Andrea says, it's really up to the employer to decide whether or not to grant these exemptions, whether or not you have a signed letter. So people should probably think twice about paying for these services. NPR Shannon Bond and Andrea Shu, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Ari. And, oh, God, just coming in to sit down here, so I'm going to be making a little noise. Give me a second. But anyways, um, there you have it. The vaccine mandate exemptions. They're trying to tell you that um, fetal cells are not being used in these vaccines, but they are being used in the development of these vaccines. And um, before me, uh, which is very interesting, before me is a survey. It is, it's a survey. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You will be surprised. Um, how many over-the-counter medicines or, or yeah, or, or prescriptions have uh, fatal cell lines in them or in their production? So they're trying to tell us that, yeah, it was used in the production, but it's not actually in them. So to me, okay, I'm thinking to myself, it's like baking a cake, right? You, it's what's used to produce the cake, right? There are ingredients to produce the cake. Does that mean then that those ingredients are not in the cake? Am I wrong in that assessment? Am I being like a little obtuse here? Because you can't tell me that it's been used to develop something and then tell me that it's not actually in there. But this is... Actually, I'm, I'm going to go come back to that point in a minute because that's a pretty, I don't know if it's a, how big a point it is, but it's a pretty big point to me, you know, religious exemption and these fetal cell lines, you know. it's It uncovers a, a bigger evil, and I'm not going to get into that dark hole today. I think I was already in it some time ago. But anyways, um, Going on, the article goes on to say um, more and more employers are ordering workers to get vaccinated, you know, 19 option, not without the, getting the tested option. 
Now, I thought that we had the testing option. And this is where I disagree with the lawyer here. Because it is an option to get a weekly testing. Even President Biden said that. You have to get the vaccine or submit to weekly testing. So if you're not willing to get the vaccine and you're willing to submit to weekly testing, probably at your expense, then why should you lose your job? over a religious exemption. I guess they forgot about that. They want you to forget that the weekly testing is an option. But they, they, they're trying to take away all your options, as you can plainly see. Um, it says here in Washington, D.C., more, more than 400 fire, uh, fire and emergency medical workers applied for religious exemptions in the city's vaccine mandate. In Los Angeles, roughly a quarter of the police department is expected to seek religious exemptions. How many of these requests will ultimately be approved is unknown. Already some employers are taking a harder line than others. Under the law, you heard that, employers have a lot of discretion when granting religious rights. Uh, the right to request a religious exemption stems from the, uh, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which protects workers from discrimination on the basis of religion, among other things. This is sort of, this, in my opinion, is discrimination, okay? This, I call it segregation by another name. It's an unintended, unintended consequence of the vaccine mandates because it disproportionately affects people or minorities of color. And even if it didn't, it's, it's still segregation because now you're basing your discrimination on a status that despite whether you agree with their personal decision, offers an option to be tested every week. So you do have an option. It's not get the vaccine or else. You do have an option. And under the law, under Biden's law, he did say that. Did he not? Get the vaccine or you are subject to be tested every week. Probably at your expense. Of course at your expense. Um, first, employers may probe whether an employee's religious belief is in fact sincere. This may ask questions about the employee's vaccination history or church attendance. If the employer determines the belief is not sincere, it may deny your exemption. Okay? So, this is calling you to the mat about your personal beliefs, your personal because religion is personal. You know, it's not really about a church or a building or any such thing. It's personal. Those are your personal convictions. So now they're probing you to see what sort of person you are. You know, what your affiliation is. In effect, they're segregating you, you know, to find out, you know, your, your, your religious purity. I didn't want to go there. But the more you go there, the more it has very close parallels to um, Nazism, you know. Now they want to probe your, your, your purity, your religious purity. How pure are you as in, in your religion? 
you know, are you a practicing person or, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they want to really get down in there because they don't want you to have the exemption. They, you have no outs with these people, okay? But even if the employee's religious belief is determined to be sincere, it's the employer who, okay, you heard that before. And, uh, regional health has granted 45 religious exemptions who refused to get COVID-19. Their rejections were largely based on the employee's belief that vaccines used fetal cells in research. Testing or production should not be put in their bodies. Okay. So that covers the gamut right there. All right. Whether it was used in research, development, or whatever, nobody who is against abortions, you're pro-life, wants anything to do with that barbaric, and this is my, me saying so, harvesting of fetal, fetal tissues. Because let's face it, there's money in abortion. That's why it's all of a sudden your right to do it. My body, my choice, because it's my body, my choice, because somebody's getting paid for this. Don't think that, you know, they give a damn about your rights. Because they prove that right now when you have a right, my body, my choice, not to put this vaccine in your body. Now, I'm not talking about people who got the vaccine. This is not an anti-vaccine rant. This is an anti-choice rant. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. I have no qualms with people making the choice to do what they want to do. I have a choice, I, I excuse me, I have a qualm with when someone tells you that you have to do it by backing you in a corner and trying to force you. Because that is not the American way. And I am very much about people having agency in their own lives and with their own bodies. I may not agree. I don't have to agree. It's none of my business, really. But I do respect your right to have it. To get the vaccine, if that's what you feel you ought to do. To not get the vaccine, if that's what you feel you ought to do. That is your right. It is. And this is where the uh, pro, pro-choice people are right. It is my body, my choice. I'm not necessarily responsible for everybody in the world. I am responsible for me. If you do get the vaccine, get it for yourself. Get it because you're convinced that's the right thing to do for you. But don't get it because people are pressuring you to do it. You you know, you can't eat if you don't get the jab. You can't, you don't have a job if you don't get the jab. Come on. I shouldn't even use that term because, you know, Biden used that term. He's made it bad for everybody. (laughs) So you heard this part. Fetal cell lines developed decades ago in the uh, laboratory were used to develop and test Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, a common practice in pharmaceuticals. So they're like, oh, it's been happening, you know, for decades now. For decades it's been happening. So, 
this is where it gets pretty interesting, okay? So, and they tell you, of course, the, the vaccines do not contain fetal cells themselves, blah, blah, blah. All right. Because we should listen to them. And, you know, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying this is how I feel about it. Just before granting the religious exemptions, Troop said employees a list of 28 commonly used medicines that also use fetal cells in their research, testing, or development. A list that includes, get this, Tylenol, Motrin, Tums, Exlax, and other medicine cabinet staples. So let me ask you something. Did you know or did you ever suspect that Tylenol, Motrin, Tums, Exlax, and all these other staples in your cabinet had fetal cell lines in them? Did you know that? Because I have to admit, I did not know that. That is, and I suppose it shouldn't be new, but it is truly new to me. And it goes on that I have here in front of me the um, the the survey. Is that what they call it? Yeah. So I, I have. It's an attestation that you have not used this medicine. So I'm going to read that. It says religious exemption attestation for COVID-19 vaccine. And it goes on to read this way. Okay. Based on your religious exemption request, we ask that you complete the below attestation. attestation. This will help to validate your understanding of the ubiquity of fetal cell use in the testing and development of common medicines and consumer products and support your claim of, of uh, quote, sincerely held belief. Now, you can have a sincerely held belief and not know, of course, we all do, what's really going on in the real world. And this what it, this is, to me, what, what makes Big Pharma an evil entity, okay? Because, and I, I'm going to go on to read all of the, the household, the, the over-counter medicines, that contain fetal cell uh, lines in, or was used, you know, because fetal cell lines were used. And they go on to tell us that the following list is a common medicines that have used fetal cells in their testing, research developed in, commonly used and available, but not all inclusive lists of everyday medicines that fall into the same category as the COVID-19 vaccine in their use of fetal cell lines. And then they go on to list the medicines over the counter. And it starts off with the number one thing that gives you, you get in the hospital, you get everywhere over the counter, you got a headache, what do you take? Tylenol. And it goes on to read this. Tylenol, Pepto-Bismol, aspirin. When did aspirin have fetal cell lines in them? Um, Tums, Lipitor, Sinecoat, Motrin, Ibuprofen, Malax, Simovastatin. I never heard of that. Exlax, Zocor, Zostafax, oh my God, Tylenol, cold and flu, Benadryl, Sudafed, Albuterol, Preparation H, Inbrel, MMR vaccine, Acetaminophen, Claritin, Zoloft. Sufevigen, Su, oh, forgive me for breaking that up. Su, 
uh, S U P H E D R I E N E Prilosec O T Z Azithromycin. Okay, that's a Varalix or Varatrix and Havitrix or Havitz. Again, I have the 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 link in the description there so you can read them all yourself some of these i do not recognize so i i apologize for butchering their pronunciation but um and it goes on to read this i truly acknowledge and affirm that my sincerely held religious belief is consistent and true and that i do not use or will not use any of these medications listed as examples or any other medications prescriptions vaccines or other over-the-counter medications that has been used, that has used fetal cell lines in their development and or testing. Yes. That's what they said. You have to, you have to acknowledge. So, imagine you have, you know, you have a uh, religious belief. You know, you find out fetal cell lines are being were tested, developed, blah, 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 for the vaccine. And they say, okay, well, you say, well, you know, I have a religious exemption, I'm a pro-lifer, blah, blah, blah. You're a Christian person. So you've had a headache. You've gone to the doctor. You've taken some of these medicines. You know, you had allergies, you took Benadryl. You had a headache, you took Tylenol. You had stomach problems, you took Pepto-Bismol. You had an acid, Tums. And aspirin, when did aspirin have fe- uh, fetal cell lines in it? Aspirin is supposed to come from a tree, right? Isn't that a natural uh, 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 medicine from the aspirin tree? Am I wrong? Preparation H. Clarity. Cryosec OTC, my God, how they advertise this stuff all over the television screen. All over the television screen. You can't, you can't not see it. It's on your phone. It's, it's on, it's on YouTube. I don't, I, I get the premium because I can't stay in commercials, but, you know, it's everywhere. And then you sit there and you think you're going to, you know, sign this agitation, this, this thing here. You know, yes, I have religious beliefs. And they give you a list of the medicines and over-the-counter drugs that you have to attest and vow not to take. Because they all have fetal cell lines in them. Now, I've read the ingredients on the back of, of some of these things, like um, aspirin. So, they, the aspirin is just covering the gamut, I guess. What ingredient on there says fetal cell lines? What is that, what is the euphemism they are using in the ingredients to bowl us over into taking this this medicine or to ingesting to ingest this fetal cell line. 
or to condone it. And here we go. It's and the rest of it reads this. I also truthfully affirm that I will abide by the vaccine accommodation requirement and understand that failure to abide by the accommodation requirements will subject me to disciplinary action up to and including termination of employment for failure to adhere to the requirement, infection prevention standards for unvaccinated employees, blah, blah, blah. And um, the following is a list of the accommodation requirements for religious exemption for an unvaccinated employee. And you have to sign attestation confirming sincerely held belief. You have to subject to periodic COVID-19 testing. And you get a possible reassignment to another position to mitigate risk to patients and or staff. But the thing that really got my goat here you know, is how, and I want to be careful what I'm saying here, because in my mind, I see it as we are unwittingly participating in something we are entirely against. Now, you know, some people may not care, and they say, well, you know, it's been going on. But to me, And there was there was an article done, and I, I'm trying to tie that together because, you know, there was an article done about how the, the scientists they just came out and admitted, yeah, yeah, we are harvesting um, human uh, organs from the abortion clinics. Yeah, this is what we're doing. And it always behooved me why the right to abortion was such a big deal. Like really, in the light of all the the um, options that we have, the, the preventative options to prevent this pregnancy. Because to me, abortion—I've said this before. I'm not going to keep repeating myself, but to me, abortion is the last resort. You find yourself in the slum area, and this is your choice. You know, it, it's you, ugh, you know, this happened. This is an, this is unplanned, unfortunate. Oh my God, what the heck were we thinking? You know, I, I think for the life and everything, again, but I'm not saying that people don't have a right to have an abortion. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying to me, that's how I see it. It should never have been an issue this big. But then you start to think about why it's this important. Because if they were to ban abortions, if abortions were banned, Who would not benefit from banned abortions? Who would not benefit from this? And it seems to me that there are a lot of people who do benefit from these abortions. Pharmaceutical companies in particular. And how we, even though we may have, <laughs> we may think we're doing the right thing by protesting and fighting and, and resisting and, you know, 
this big battle with pro-life and we're unwittingly participating at the table of the cannibals. Because who the hell knew that fetal cells were being used in something like as 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 innocuous as aspirin. What the hell do you need fetal cell lines for in aspirin? Tons? Excellent. How old is Excellent anyway? Like how how old these some of these companies are very old. So it was long before abortion became so called legal. And I like to compare these kind of things because they do remind me very much of a horrid, hideous, disgusting, monster with tentacles reaching across and insidiously invading the lives of people who really try to be good people. And that's what makes these vaccine mandates so evil. They're unethical. It may not be Nazism by its very, you know, name, but they sure are quick to tell. What is this term? They're the first hogs to the trough of authoritarianism. And I just can't believe, and this is why I guess they want to dumb down people in school because they don't want you to remember history. They got this 1619 project, all these 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 alternate reality BS theories and all this nonsense and telling people the un- lies. They're just telling lies, outright lies about history. Because if you understood what it means, what it implies, the lack of integrity of something like a vaccine man, you have to produce papers to go to a restaurant, to go to a concert, for anything, no matter how small it is, no matter how good you think it is. If your goodness, if your good intentions result in the unintended consequence of an an evil echo, which is like, you know, taking up the mantle of the the Nazis. You know, the Nazis did a very similar thing. They demonized the Jews. You know, they started by demonizing them. It started out by isolating them. You know, you can't, if you're a Jew, you can't go here. And I know this is, you people think this is hyperbole, and I personally try not to go there. But, you know, the more you look at this, and the more you hear them speak, you the, and I'm talking about the liberals and the media and these people who are what I call the champagne liberals. 
Some people call them champagne socialists. But they're all the same. And you listen to them and you think to yourself, okay, let's just take, they're not really racist. Okay, let's take them off the table. But if your core belief is what you say it is, which is freedom for all, freedom of speech, you know, non-racism, all, all the things, all the tenets that you proclaim the right does not want you to have. If, if this is what you your good comes out to be, you know, you've you've studied it, you 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 wrangled with it, you wrestled with it, and if all your good intentions comes out to be an echo of a very bad past in any teeny innocuous insidious regard then your good intention is evil if it causes harm if it blames people if it isolates people if it if it in any way causes harm and does not lift, does not encourage, does not unite. It is an evil practice. And we have to call it out. I, I, you know, I'm emboldened. I have to admit here I'm emboldened by Joe Rogan. I know I'm not in that sphere of the Joe Rogan sphere, but even a tiny, teeny, for a little tiny podcast like myself, we do have to stand up and call the spade the spade. Because this is not good. There is no good that can come from this. There is no no matter how good you think your intentions are, there is no right in this. There is no right. And so, I was watching, um, I think it's The Hill, Rising, Rising, yes, because I, I like Kim Iverson. I like her. You know, I don't always agree with her. Sometimes she's way out there. But as a, as a person of, um, I think she has a person, she's a person of integrity. Like, she's a lefty, but she's not a nut lefty. You know, she's, she's a reasonable person. You know. And so I like her. She, she does lift up the tedium of the new rising. She lifts up the status, at the very least. And... I'm looking this up myself because I, I want to look this up myself. But in the world, I think uh, Norway is lifting mandates. Right? I'm looking it up now. I'm trying to bring it up here because I had it up there. Yeah, they're lifting all coronavirus measures. They're lifting them. 
And um, this is by Anthony LaMesa. I don't know what publication this is. I will leave a link in the description so you can read this for yourself. And the title of the, 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 the article is, It's Time for One-Size-Fits-All Pandemic Management to End. And the Norwegian Prime Minister, Irma Solberg, announced today, and this was four days ago, by the way, that normal life is back for Norwegian starting tomorrow afternoon. Almost all restricting restrictions impacting daily life will end. And she goes on to say, now we can live almost as we did before the pandemic hit us. I do not think everything will be as before. I think the coronavirus will affect us for the rest of our lives, for better or worse. We have learned how vulnerable we are and how much we can achieve when we stand together. And that's what she told the press on Friday. And the, the NIPH and the Norwegian Directorate of Health gave us advice on Monday that it is possible to switch to normal everyday life around the turn of the month. The positive development has continued this week and this is the reason why the government, after a thorough assessment, has concluded that tomorrow at 4 p.m. we will move to normal every day. Um, of course, Norwegians will barely notice the changes, though club goers, club, club goers will be delighted. This is what the reopening of schools looked like a month ago. Masks have never been required in Norwegian schools or child care centers. So, they're opening their doors. You know, they're, you know, they have a, uh, what, what they call it, like a high percentage rate of, of infections. You know, they have a high, uh, high, and they also have a decent vaccination. It's not the best vaccination. I think it's like 60 something percent. But they realize that people are just tired. You know, the Norwegian governor realized that they're tired. They're tired of the goalposts being moved, masks, no masks, vaccines, no vaccines. And, you know, they didn't even talk about um, anything like, you know, blaming the unvaccinated, because I'm, I'm echoing this and I see this in my own research. They're not blaming the unvaccinated. They're not saying these people are the cause of the rise of, of these cases. They're just like, you know what? You're personally responsible for yourself. Because after all, at the end of the day, if you choose to get the vaccine, if you don't choose to get the vaccine, that's all about you, not about everybody else. So they, they never had a passport, a vaccine passport. They never had any of those things. And, you know, the article goes on to read, if there are no off-ramp for public health measures, citizens may lose trust in the politicians and public health experts. Politicians and public health experts must have the courage and maturity to lift measures when they are no longer necessary, even if doing so risks upsetting the Twitter craze. And this is what we, it's time to do. It's time to lift these mandates because the very idea of them having them in place is not a good idea i've already said that i'm not gonna um now it's time to make adjustments 
And um, she goes on to read, carefully assist, assessing healthcare system capacity, epidemiological data, epidem- it's so early in the morning, I'm so sorry, I'm butchering words, and vaccine rates. America's highly vaccinated cities, counties, and states should lift coronavirus measures within their control. For example, school mask mandates, business restrictions, and vaccine passport type systems. The pressure the federal government to allow them to lift other restrictions, such as mass mandate for local public transportation. And, you know, it's time. It's time we start pushing back against this and pressure the, 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 the left, the authoritarians, to stop the madness. Because you're always going to have I mean, people who are vaccinated are still getting COVID. And in, in, in some cases, in, in, and I would venture to say, and I'm making a venture here, that most cases, these vaccinated people aren't really around people who are unvaccinated. Case in port, Harvard University, 100% vaccination, 100%. Saw a rise in, in cases. Had to return to um, at-home learning. Had to, yeah, remote learning. They had to return to the remote learning. So that tells you a great deal about um, what's going on in, you know, the insanity that is these vaccine mandates. Because other countries are seeing the light, a few anyway. I'm looking at, I think it's Singapore who's also lifting mandates. COVID restrictions because, you know, how much more of this ginning up the fear and you know who benefits from this? Yeah. So news, Singapore is also lifting COVID restrictions. And this was seven hours ago. They see a surge even after they have 80% vaccination rates. And so they just decided to go ahead and lift the, um, the the COVID restrictions. And there's a link in the description. You can read that article because they realized that they're going to have cases. So what they did was they adjusted their their expectations. So they they adjusted hospitalization. They made room for more capacity. There are going to be more people coming into the hospital. Um, They also, I believe, if I remember the article correctly, um, if you tested positive and you're not sick, do not rush to the hospital. Stay at home and, um, you know, see where it goes. Because just because you test positive does not mean you're going to automatically have a full-blown case or or a difficult case. Some, Some of your symptoms... Most of your symptoms are going to be mild, especially according to the science, if you are vaccinated. 
So they decided to get rid of all the, the, the mandates. You know, they, they lift all these restrictions. And, you know, learn how to live with the virus. Because isn't what the science said that COVID is here to stay? It's an endemic. And this article is by the World Socialist website, which is very interesting. And it says, COVID surge in Singapore despite 80% vaccination. Um, the government has been lifting restrictions. Uh, been a surge of cases and deaths related to a highly infectious Delta variant of the virus. The government had begun lifting restrictions, having adopted a living with COVID policy based on the fact that more than 80% of the city's population was fully vaccinated. As new cases rapidly multiplied, however, health authorities have been forced to reverse course. Yesterday, the number of cases set a new daily record at 2,236 by noon, with five more deaths. Of these 2,226 cases were local cases, comprising 1,711 in the community, and 550 among migrant workers living in dormitories. Since the pandemic began, Singapore has had 91,000 cases overall, and the death toll was 85. The latest surge has taken place over the past month, which is 32 cases. Uh, the daily case numbers have more than doubled over the past 10 days and are predicted to rise more than 6,000. As of yesterday, the death toll of for September was 30, a, second, a record monthly figure, and overall third of COVID deaths. Health authorities were at pains to play down the significance of the latest outbreak, pointing out that the majority of cases were asymptomatic and mild. The five people who died were elderly and had underlying conditions, but no details were provided. And so they came up with the restrictions, as you well know. You had to working from home and all that kind of stuff. And also, Singapore has Moderna and Pfizer, so they're exclusively. And then it goes on to read, because I don't want to read this whole article, it's pretty big. Um... So it says here, in reality, the surge of Singapore is further evidence that only a, uh, only a stra strategy of eradication, which requires not only vaccination, but stringent public health restrictions, can prevent the spread of coronavirus. COVID-19 is not like the flu and is continuing to evolve into potentially more deadly and transmissible variants, which may or may not respond to vaccines. And anyway, that... It, the point is that they are actually doing away with the um, restrictions and they're just going to learn. They adapted their hospitals. They adapted the healthcare facilities. They hired more doctors and nurses and medical staff. And they're just prepared for what is going to be because their, their entire approach now is not to mandate more restrictions, but to learn to live with COVID. You're going to have to live with it. It's here to stay. It's not going away anytime soon. You know, 
people who are vaccinated are still getting the virus and they're still getting sick. And that's not somebody making that up. That is the fact. That's, you know, that's not a vast right-wing conspiracy. That is a fact. And so now that we know that the vaccinated and the unvaccinated can get the virus and spread the virus, why are these mask mandates and, and all these vaccine mandates being implemented? And why, well, we know who benefits. I mean, who benefits from this, from getting everybody vaccinated? Because everybody is vaccinated and people are still getting sick. So there's some hope for us. Some sensible people who are turning things around. Um, And, you know, the the government is still urging people to get their vaccinations and everything, but they're just saying, look, you know, we got to learn to live with this. thing. We can't keep shutting down. We can't keep people muddled up. We can't, you know, isolate. And, and you know, this is the interesting thing about this article uh, about in the the Norwegian article, the, the article about Norway and in the Singapore article. Nobody is actually talking about the unvaccinated. They're just talking about how to to live with the virus. Nobody's saying anything about unvaccinated. And I've looked, and I'm echoing what I heard, and I agree with what I heard. There is nobody out there saying to anyone, not the prime minister, not the governor, not any health official in either one of these countries, demonizing the unvaccinated. Because both of these countries have a good, uh, you know, a healthy vaccination rate. But they're not demonizing. They're saying, you know what? We're just going to try another approach. Which is the opposite of what's happening here in the United States and in the West, which is very, very strange. Anyway, I have droned on long enough. Um, There will be links in the descriptions about the articles that I've read and uh, responded to. And listen, if you made it with me this far, thank you for listening. I appreciate you. It's been a pleasure. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope maybe you had some fun. Uh, I don't know how much fun we can have in this subject. I'm looking forward to other subjects. But um, this was just a follow-up of what I mentioned yesterday in the previous podcast about um, the religious exemptions and how the authoritarians have found a way to overcome them and how we are unwittingly participating in a pro-choice movement. At least that's it. That's how I feel in my opinion. So don't forget to follow me on Twitter, MHB1070, on Instagram at my1029, which is M-H-I-G-H-1029, 
Go to my Patreon page page at the Black Eye Podcast. And you can email me at HiMichelle557 at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can maybe, well, you can maybe, um, text me up at uh, 585-386-1527. Listen, thank you for listening. You go out there and have a great day. Be blessed. Bye-bye. You have just heard the Black Eye Podcast. If you would like to contact me, you can do so through Twitter at MHB1070, on Instagram at My1029, that's M-H-I-G-H-1229, excuse me, or on Patreon at theblackeyepodcast.com. If you would like to donate to the podcast, you can do so through Stripe. Any donation helps me make better content and bring it to you. Thank you.